You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, let's pray and we'll jump into the Word. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory tonight, and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, Lord. I thank you that the Word says your faithfulness will endure to a thousand generations. And Father, we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Lord, we just are so grateful that you are good to us. Thank you for all that Jesus has bought and paid for us. Thank you for his shed blood that bought our redemption, our forgiveness, our healing. And Lord, we just are so thankful for your word tonight. I thank you that, again, your word is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, we purpose in our hearts to receive from your word tonight, to receive life, spiritual food and nourishment. And Lord, I thank you that uh, by the time we get through tonight, our faith is going to be greater and stronger, and we're going to be ready to receive everything that you have for us. And we thank you for it. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, who is the teacher, and that he brings revelation and insight for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, y'all, this is week 20 and the conclusion of our series on the healings of Jesus. And uh, so we're going to look at this last case. And uh, if you want to turn, go ahead and turn, you can jump over to Mark chapter uh, nine, and uh, I'll meet you there in just a moment. Let me go ahead and just mention uh, the things that we have talked about throughout the weeks. And uh, as our foundation scripture for this series, we've been using John chapter 21 and verse 25. And uh, in the Amplified Bible, it says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, if they should be all recorded one by one in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for the books that would be written. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful that we have what we have. Again, obviously, you know, we've said to you many times before, we have what the Holy Ghost felt like we needed or knew that we needed. And uh, we might not have everything that Jesus said and did recorded in the Gospels, but we have more than enough for us to base our beliefs, base our faith on, so that we can receive uh, from Him just like the people did in the Gospels. And so, again, the whole purpose of this and studying each of these healings is that if we have, it can learn what these people did, then we can receive what these people got. And so that's why we've been spending so much time looking at the details on all of these. Now, I want to go over to uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And uh, look at this in the Amplified. It says, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. The Message Bible says that he went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil, and he was able to do all this because God was with him. And I want you to understand something. The message, or or excuse me, the, the purpose and the mission of Jesus has never changed. It's still exactly the same as it was then. And so uh, in the sense of he went through the country helping people and healing everyone uh, that he could. And so he is all about that today. And I love the fact, too, that it says that he went through and uh, ministered to everyone who was beaten down by the devil. And, you know, there are people still being beaten down by the devil today. And uh, Jesus' desire is to help and to minister to every single one of them and see their lives changed. The Williams translation of that same verse says, then he went about doing good and curing all who were overpowered by the devil because God was with him. You know, there are people that are overpowered by the devil, overwhelmed 
uh, by life and by what the enemy does in their lives. And so Jesus is all about seeing people set free, healed, and delivered. And again, I can't emphasize enough that was his will back then, and it's still his will today. Hebrews 13, 8, if you want to make just a note of that, says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the good news is, is if it, if it was the will of Jesus to heal people, deliver people, help people, see their lives changed back in the gospel times 2,000 years ago, then it's still that way today. And here's the good news, the even better news. It'll be that way tomorrow and the next day and so on and so forth. So all of those things are true. Now we spent a little bit of time uh, looking at uh, Matthew chapter four and verse 23 and Matthew chapter nine and verse 35, which give us a, a synopsis of Jesus ministry in saying that he went about teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all who were sick. And so are healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And so we see that Jesus taught, he preached, and he healed everywhere that he possibly could. And I, and I want to just say this to you. If there was a time when Jesus was not able to do those things, it was not his fault. Uh, I would remind you about when he went into his own hometown, and the Bible says that he could there do no mighty work because of the unbelief of the people. And so Jesus was ready all the time to minister to people and meet their needs, and he still is today. And so these things are um, very, very important that we understand. We, we're spending time teaching on these things because I want you to have faith for healing. I want you to be able to receive healing for yourself. And then I also want you to be in a position where you can effectively minister healing to other people. All right. So let's look at our last case here found in Mark chapter nine. Now we've taught on this particular incident before, but again, it bears repetition. And that is this Mark chapter nine, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 17. Now, just to bring you kind of up to date as to what's going on, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. You see that in the first part of chapter 9. And uh, so he took them up there. And of course, as you know, he was transfigured before them. And Moses and Elijah appeared and had a conversation with with the Lord on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And then uh, the Bible says that after it was all said and done, that he came down off the mountain and brought the three disciples with him. Now, what had happened is he had left nine of the disciples in the village where at the base of the, the, the mountain. And it's called a mountain. It's actually a big hill uh, by our standards of mountains. But anyway, he uh, caught, walked up on the scene and uh, in verse um, 16, the, the people were talking, well, verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. In verse 16, and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? See, I want to say this to you. Jesus doesn't like anybody rolling up on you and taking advantage of you. And what he knew was going on is these religious leaders knew these disciples were not highly educated men and were trying to um, do what they could to influence them, debate them, and so forth and so on. So Jesus rolls up, and he wants to know what they're talking about. All right, so look at verse um, 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now I want you to underline in your Bible where those last few words, it says, but they could not. They could not, all right? 
Now, this is really interesting, and I want you to put your little ribbon thing there in Mark chapter 9, and I want you to back up with me a couple of pages to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and let's look at verse 7. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. Okay. All right, and it says, he called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out two by two, and notice what it says, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus give the disciples power, and with that power, there's authority over demonic spirits. Yes. Yes, he did. All right. No doubt about it. And again, he commissions them, sends them forth to go out and minister on his behalf. And it says uh, in verses 12 and 13, if you drop down, it says, so they went out and preached that people should repent. And notice what happened in verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So let's make note of a couple of things here. In verse 7, he gives them power and authority over demonic spirits. Later on, we read that they went out, they did what Jesus told them to do, they preached, and that the people should repent. In verse 13, and they cast out not just one or two, but it says many demons. So would you say at this point they were successful in being able to cast out demons? Yes. Okay, absolutely. Now, I want to turn over with me to Luke, the 10th chapter, and I want to show you Luke's take on the same particular situation, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. So Jesus sent the disciples out again, uh, or not again, but this is another version of this or another take on it. And it says in verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. All right. So in Luke 10, 17, it says that the disciples went out and they came back and they were excited. They were filled with joy, it says, and that the, the demons were subject to them through the name of Jesus. So here's what I want you to see, that they had been sent forth with power and authority. They had been successful at casting out not just one or two, but many demon spirits out of people, delivering them, healing them, setting them free, okay? But then go back over to Mark chapter 9, and we see where this father says, uh, he describes the, uh, well, verse 17, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and uh, then he describes what happens. Verse 18, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out but they could not. So something happened between when Jesus initially sent them out, they, they had success in doing what Jesus had told them to do, and this moment right here, something had happened. See, the disciples did not have an ability issue in their failure. They had a faith issue. Because, listen, Jesus didn't take back his power and authority. It was still there. But the reason that it wasn't working was because of the disciples having a faith issue. See, you can have power and anointing present, but if faith is not mixed with it, it cannot work. All right? And you need to know that, that the power of God can be present desiring to work, God wanting to work, desiring to move in the hearts and the lives of people, but if faith is not mixed with it, it will not work. Now, somebody says, you know, um, 
how come we don't see a lot of these things, you know, in our, in a, not just our church, but in church services as a whole. And I would have to say, you know, probably because it's not a, definitely not an ability issue. The Holy Ghost is here. The power of God is present. If these things are not happening, then it's a faith issue, not a power issue. Okay. So if, if people aren't being healed, it's a faith issue. If people aren't being set free, it's a faith issue, all right? Because we know that the Holy Ghost has been sent into the earth and that the power of God is present to heal everyone, everywhere, at any time who will dare to receive it. So if there's a disconnect there, it's taking place because of a faith issue. And we do know that faith is what ignites or, or causes the power of God to work in the hearts and the lives of people. All right, so let's look and see what Jesus' response was. Verse 19, he answered him, now he's talking to the Father, and he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And then he says, bring him to me. So um, I don't know about you, but in reading this, I can sense a little tone <laughs> with Jesus that he seems like he might be a little frustrated at the, the disciples having a lack of results. Now, Jesus rebukes them and he says, and he's not just talking to the father because he said to the generation, he's talking to everybody that's present. And he said, how long shall I bear with you? See, you need to understand these disciples had been trained in how to minister, but in spite of their training, they had let it slip. Okay. In the Greek language, what it plainly says, Jesus asked them, how long am I going to have to put up with your unbelief? That's, that's exactly what Jesus said. Matter of fact, let me read a couple of different translations of that verse. And in the Bible, in basic English, it says this, and he said to them in answer, O generation without faith, how long will I have to be with you? How long will I put up with you? Let him come to me. The Message Bible says this, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy to me. Okay, so you can, you can really sense that Jesus is, is frustrated here because these disciples had been taught and trained. Now, I want you to understand something. They had been with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they had seen him minister to people over and over and over and over again. I mean, uh, you can't think of any better on-the-job training than they were getting watching Jesus himself. But yet, in spite of all these things, um, they had come up short. They had made... Uh, uh, some, well, they had just let it slip, basically. You know, they had seen Jesus use his faith and use his words to, to work on people's uh, behalf, and even they had experienced some success along these lines, yet they seemed to lose their faith progress. Now, this is very, very important, and I want you to understand this. There, in the life of faith, there's no such thing as neutral. Okay, what do I mean by that? What I mean is you're either moving forward in the life of faith or you're letting things slip in the life of faith. There is no staying in the same place for an extended period of time. And, and if you're not growing or increasing, okay, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards is what I'm trying to say. And what we see here is the disciples, in spite of all of this training, in spite of their past successes, in spite of all of this that they had experienced, they uh, had let these things slip and regressed in their faith. So faith is either increasing or diminishing based on what we do. So, you know, and there's many things that could impact that. It could be, you know, that they, uh, they're, you know, it could be they were physically tired. 
Uh, it could be that, uh, you know, they had gotten uh, complacent in their walk with the Lord. It could be a number of reasons, but the same thing can happen to us if we're not mindful and we need to understand. Here's another thing that you need to understand, and that is this, you leak, L-E-A-K, L-E-A-K, you leak. What do I mean by that? Um, if, if we go to church on Sunday and we hear the word on Sunday, okay, and then you go about your daily business the other six days of the week, and you never spend any time in the word, you never spend any time in prayer, everything that was imparted to you by the Holy Spirit on Sunday is slowly leaking out to where you will find yourself empty once again. And you know, there are a lot of Christians that are walking around empty. I tell you what, you've got your Bibles there. Look over at Ephesians with me, Ephesians, and let's look at um, verse 18 of chapter 5, verse 5, 18, or chapter 5, verse 18. Um, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 18. I'll give you a second to find it. This isn't in my notes. This is hot off the press. All right. He said this, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess, but notice this, but be filled with the spirit. Now, somebody says, well, you know, pastor, I got filled with the spirit back in uh, 1979. Okay. Well, that's great. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But what you need to understand is in the Greek language, it's not a one-time filling. The actual Greek says, but be being filled. And then he tells you how, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's my point in this, is that there might be one initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, but there ought to be many refillings of the Holy Spirit. Meaning again, we leak, all right? And so it is up to us to maintain that high water level, so to speak, to maintain our life, our, our, our level of being full of the Spirit, full of the Word of God, all right? So I, I wanted to point that out to you. So go back to Mark chapter 9. So again, here the disciples find themselves in a situation to where they have regressed, okay? So Jesus, once again, he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? This is verse 19. Bring him to me in verse 20. And so then they brought him, brought the boy to Jesus. Now I want to stop right here and I want to make note of something. Notice that at the very beginning of this story in verse 17, it says that the father brought the son to Jesus. Now, Jesus was not there, so the disciples endeavored to minister to him, but I want you to notice that the father brought the son to get help. So that tells us and implies to us that there is a level of faith that, that is present in the heart of the father. All right, do you see that? Okay, so, so verse 20, when they brought him to him, and when he saw him, when the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, Jesus told the man to bring the boy to him. In, in other words, Jesus will deal with the disciples and the faith shortage later on. He was more interested in the moment in delivering this little boy, making sure this little boy got help because that was his desire. Now, what happened? When they brought the boy and the boy got close to Jesus, all of a sudden the spirit started acting up. This demonic spirit started acting up. Here's why. When, when the anointing gets close to someone who is harassed by the devil or a demon, the demon knows that help is close. 
And what the demon is going to endeavor to do is show out and <clears throat> try and distract and take attention off of Jesus and put it back on itself. All right. Uh, you know, I've seen in situations in church services where uh, people, uh, you know, have gotten close to this. I'm talking about physically close to whoever was ministering at the moment. And, you know, way back then or even sitting in the congregation, they were fine. But the moment that they got close to the anointing, the spirit that was harassing them began to manifest itself and, and show out. Now, so what was the spirit endeavoring to do? The spirit began to show out and cause a scene, hoping to distract the people away from Jesus and what Jesus was up to as far as setting the boy free. Okay. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did the spirit distract Jesus? Yeah. No, he did not. Okay. All right. So let's look at this. It says um, in verse 20, when he brought him to him and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. Now, here's what you, you, you also need to understand is um, the devil is going to do things to get you to be moved by what you see and what you experience in the natural realm. This is very important. That's the realm in which he functions, okay? So he's going to endeavor to distract you and to get your eyes on the natural realm so you'll be your attention will be on that. Here's why. Because he wants to play around in the natural realm. Uh, I'll, sh I'll show you more in just a second. And uh, so verse 21, now I want you to get this picture, all right? Here's this little boy. The Spirit's throwing him on the ground. He's walling around on the ground in the middle of convulsions. You know, it would be like an epileptic seizure or something of that nature. I mean, it's not pleasant to watch or anything like that. He's foaming at the mouth. And so Jesus is so not moved by this, he turns to the Father while all this is going on, and he says, how long has this been happening to him? So, again, you know what we would have done? We'd have freaked out when we saw that happening. We'd have been like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? I mean, look how this demon is showing out. Jesus is not phased by that at all. I mean, the boy is, is on the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth, all this kind of stuff. And Jesus turns to the father and says, hey, how long has this been going on? All right, starts to have this conversation with the father, okay? And, and the father replies, and he said, from childhood, all right? Very, verse 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now, I want you to see something this clearly tells us what the desire and the motivation of this spirit was, and that is to destroy the life of not only this little boy, but to destroy the life of this entire family. Now, he's already caused a lot of problems. I want you to think about this for just a second. Think about the disruption in this household that's been caused by the manifestations that this spirit has been able to do through this little boy. Now, again, we don't know how old the boy was. You know, he could have been very young, could have been early teens. We don't know. But this has been happening, the father said, since he was tiny, since he was a little bitty guy. And so this has been happening over and over and over again. I mean, think about this. I mean, they could be sitting at the table, eating a meal, and all of a sudden, uh, the boy goes into, you know, the, these convulsions and things, and the spirit begins to show out. Or they could be out in public, and this happens. We know that if, if there was a fire present, the spirit would try and throw the boy into the fire. Or if there was water present, the spirit would try and drown the boy. So my point is this. This whole family's lives were totally upended and disrupted because of what this spirit was doing in and through this little boy. 
this is not the will of God. This is not what Jesus wants for this family or any family. And, and it's so, I want to so clearly say that, all right, because I want everybody to understand that Jesus did not want this to continue one moment longer, okay? So, um, again, the, the Spirit is showing out. Jesus isn't moved by this. Um, John 10, 10 says what? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? Now, I want us, and I think we all do this, and I, I want to mention this, all right? What we saw happen yesterday in Uvalde, Texas, is nothing but a pure manifestation of the work of the devil. I mean, I'm going to call it like it is, okay? All right? But again, here I want us to clearly understand uh, the Lord is not involved in destroying people's families. Mm -hmm. The Lord is not involved in destroying people's lives. Mm -hmm. All right? I want us to clearly understand that. I know, um, you know, I, 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 there will be people over the next few days and weeks that will say dumb stuff like the Lord needed some little angels in heaven, and, and that's why he took those children. No, there's nothing further from the truth. My Jesus is not responsible for destroying children's lives or destroying families and doing things like that. No. It is clearly, that is clearly something that was um, instigated and initiated by the powers of darkness. All right. So uh, I, I just, I wanted to say that and uh, make it crystal clear. All right. Jesus is all about, as we've said it before, healing, delivering, setting people free and seeing their lives made better, particularly through a relationship with him. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's look at what the father said. Look at the tail end of verse 22. So he says, he often is thrown in both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you, Jesus, can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this father just did something that is classical among a, bunch, uh, a, a lot of Christians, okay? Here's what he did. I want my son set free, but I'm putting all the responsibility over on you. So if it happens, Jesus, it's because you wanted it to, and if it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't want it to. And there are Christians, that's the way they operate all the time. But notice what Jesus said. Again, the Father's reply, but if you, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Um, so again, here's Jesus' reply. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So here's what Jesus did. The father put the responsibility on Jesus for his son getting set free. Jesus turned right back around and put the responsibility right back on the father and said, and here's what Jesus in essence was saying. It's not an ability issue. It's a believing issue. In other words, I can do it, but you have to believe that I can do it. Okay. And see, there's so many Christians that fail to understand that it is more on us to receive from the Lord than it is on God for us to receive from the Lord. All right. Here's let me read it to you from the Amplified. This is Jesus reply. And Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything, question mark, why all things can be and are possible to him who believes. Okay. So Jesus is clearly telling us 
that if there is a failure for us to receive from him, it's not on him. All right. And, and, and here's something we don't like to do. We don't like to take responsibility. But the fact of the matter is, if there is a disconnect, it is a it's a situation on our end and a failure to receive on our end. All right. So uh, the question is, this is what Jesus is really asking him. What can you believe me to do? And so clearly the man wants deliverance for his son. And so what he did is Jesus put the responsibility back on the father to, I need you to believe. See, and here's why the Lord does it this way. He is such a perfect gentleman and absolutely refuses to override anybody's will and anybody's desire. And so he has to have our faith so that he can move in that situation because our faith is what gives him permission to move in that situation. All right. Look at verse 24. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, and you're probably familiar with this statement, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, I want to uh, just kind of clarify what the father is doing. In, in the New Living Translation, it, the father instantly cried out and said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now, here's what was going on with the father, and he didn't know exactly how to articulate it, but he obviously had faith in his heart because he brought his boy to Jesus to get help. But what was happening is, and this is what the devil wanted to do, he wanted to show out and manifest himself in such a way that what the father believed in his heart would be erased by what he saw with his eyes. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay. All right. This is so important. So here's what I want you to understand. You can have faith working in your heart. But thoughts of doubt come into your mind. That's true. All right. Because listen, I mean, it, as a parent, it, it would be hard to, you know, to, to stand there watching your child going through all of this and it not affect you and not phase you at all. But what Jesus is telling him is, is essentially, listen, don't be moved by what you see happening right now. Be moved by what you believe. Believe that I can set this boy free, and I will set this boy free. All right? And now I love what, what the when you break it down and look at the, the Greek language, what he's really saying is, is, Lord, I believe with all my heart, but help me where I come up short. And you know what? That's a prayer that God can honor, because he'll go to work in your life to help bolster your faith to where you don't struggle. And now, you know, we're always going to have thoughts, but what do you do with those thoughts when they come into your mind, when you're believing God for something? And when those thoughts pop into your mind, what are you going to do with those thoughts? What do you do with them? Huh? What do you say? Speak the word of God. Speak the, I'm going to say it to you this way. Answer them. Answer them. I said, answer them. That's a country way of saying it, but answer them. Don't let those thoughts go unaddressed. Answer them. Open your mouth and answer them. When that thought of unbelief comes into your mind, say, nope, that's not my thought. I believe the word of God. Somebody says, well, pastor, that's just too much trouble, you know, because to address all those thoughts. Well, listen, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want the answer? Okay, because I'm telling you, there are going to be times when those things are going to try and keep you up in the middle of the night. How bad do you want help? If you want it bad enough, you'll fight for it. You'll deal with those thoughts. Okay. And so, you know, flip over a couple of pages to Mark 11, and let me just remind you of what Jesus said, Mark 11, 23. 
Jesus said this, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his what? Heart. Heart. Mm -hmm. Notice he doesn't say if you don't doubt in your mind. Because, see, there are some people that think when, you, when they have those thoughts pop into their mind, well, mm -hmm. see, it's not working. I, I've messed up. Mm -hmm. My faith isn't working. No. Jesus said, if you doubt not in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. See, don't let those thoughts of doubt get into your heart. How do you do that? You begin to place your attention on them, and then you attach your words to them. The moment you attach your words to those thoughts of doubt, they've begun to get into your heart. And when they get into your heart, that stops and short circuits your faith. Okay, now, so the father cries out, Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus moves on his behalf. Now, here, here's something else I want you to write down. Faith is a choice and not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Faith is a choice and not a feeling. So you're going to have to make up your mind. I'm in, I, I'm, I'm going for, I, I'm staying in faith. I refuse to be moved. Even if my son is in the middle of a convulsion and, and foaming at the mouth, I am going to stay in faith. Mm -hmm. That's what the father had to do. All right. Mm -hmm. So verse 25 uh, says this verse nine twenty five. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Now, why do you think the people running together uh, or the people came running together? Why do you think that got Jesus' attention? I want you to think, think it through. Jesus is very, and this you, you have to be this way too. Jesus is very intentional on guarding his faith environment. Mm-hmm. And these people running up on the scene weren't there to join their faith with this father. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. What were they running up there for? They wanted to see something. Mm -hmm. They wanted to see Jesus perform. All right. Mm -hmm. They didn't run. They weren't coming up there to join their faith and say, hey, man, we want to we want to help you. We want to support you. You know, we want to join our faith with their with yours. No. And Jesus knew exactly why they were running up there, all right? The easy-to-read version said this, Jesus saw that all the people were running there so they could see what was happening, all right? So I, I'm going to say this to you, and, and I hope you hear my heart and what I mean by this, okay? There are going to be times when you're standing in faith, you don't need the crowd running up on you. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? I don't mean you're ugly and mean and all that kind of stuff, but you don't need a bunch of people around you that are not believing with you. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. That are just there to spectate. <laughs> you need some faith participators. You don't need any faith spectators. Okay. Now I'm, I'm again, I'm not saying we're rude and we're mean and exclusive and all that kind of thing, but I'm just saying, that there are going to be some times when you don't need a crowd around you. Because if you do, because uh, I'm, I'm, think about this in this situation. Now, as far as we know, the boy is still in convulsion, still doing everything that that demon was endeavoring to do. And here the people come running up. Where do you think their attention is going to be on Jesus or what that devil is doing? They're going to, they're going to look <laughs> And their attention's going to be on who's putting on the biggest show. And that That's spirit right. was putting on the biggest show at the moment. All right. So, so Jesus, uh, when he saw the people coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to him, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. All right. So look at verse 26. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he, the boy, became as one dead, 
So, so much so that many said he's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will, I want you to understand something. That demon was going to try his best to hold on as long as he could. Mm-hmm. And he was going to do everything he could to try and distract from Jesus. Okay. Now, he didn't understand Jesus wasn't going to be moved by that. All right. Look at what happened. And at the, you know, Jesus tells the spirit to come out and then the spirit cries, convulses the boy again and, and, and came out of him. Now the convulsing you'd see the spirit hollering you'd hear, but you're not going to see in the natural that spirit come out. So what is the tendency for the natural man to think at that moment? That, that spirit ain't gone that. nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matter of fact, now he's he's got the boy acting like he's dead. Or the spirit just straight up killed the boy. All right. Mm-hmm. All of this to try and distract the father and Jesus from what they were doing. And again, Jesus is not moved by that. And thank God the father wasn't moved by that either. Verse 27. Mm-hmm. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So the spirit put on one more show before it came out. And again, it was trying to take the attention off of Jesus and put it back on himself, but it didn't work. Verse 28, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. So this incident is over. These, you know, The man and his son are gone. So they go to the house. The disciples ask him, Why could we not cast it out? Verse 29. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I've said this to you before, but I want want to say this again. Demonic spirits do not come out as a result of fasting and prayer. They come out as a result of of faith in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Okay, now listen to me carefully. Fasting and prayer does not change the devil. Fasting and prayer do not change God. Fasting and prayer change you and me. Mm -hmm. All right, so what fasting and prayer does is it addresses the doubt and the unbelief. It causes one to become more spiritually aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All right. It's very important that we understand that fasting and prayer does not change God. Fasting and prayer does not change the devil. Fasting and prayer changes you and me. And it helps us to become more clearly uh, precise spiritually, more attuned spiritually. It it causes, uh, well, Isaiah 58 tells us that it will cause the anointing to be increased in our lives. So what Jesus was telling him, he said, listen, he wasn't saying, hey, guys, this particular demon only comes out by fasting and prayer. No, what he was telling them is this kind of unbelief only comes out by fasting and prayer, all right? So uh, the Living Bible, I like what it says in, in verse 29. It says this, Jesus replied, cases like this require prayer, okay? So what I mean is, and what Jesus is telling us is that prayer affects us. Fasting affects us. I read um, a commentary called the preacher's commentary. And it said this, when the father brings his demon possessed son to the disciples for healing, they fail in the face of a critical incident because they lack the resources of spiritual power that are sustained only through constant prayer. The practice of the presence of God, as recommended, there's a a book, which I highly recommend, little tiny book by a man named Brother Lawrence, written hundreds of years ago, called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's basically a little booklet 
tiny little book that that instructs us on how to live and the necessity of us living in the presence of God, which is what Jesus did. Okay. And so this, this commentary goes on to say, the practice of the presence of God, as recommended by Brother Lawrence, is the di discipline that makes effective disciples in the time of crisis. See, if we want to be effective, you, you remember where the scripture says, be instant in season and out of season? Okay. Mm -hmm. Paul wrote that, and he told the, the Christians that what we need to understand is that if we're going to be effective all the time, we're going to have to learn how to live and dwell in the presence of God. Because if, if we don't, and I'm talking to me too, if we don't, there are going to be needs that arise, such as people needing help and deliverance, and we're not going to be equipped to be able to do it. Okay? And that, that's going to be critical. And so in the day and the time in which you and I live, it is imperative that we learn how to walk in this, walk in the presence of God, walk in the power of God, so that we are ready at a moment's notice to minister as the Holy Ghost calls upon us to minister. In other words, I don't want to find myself in a situation where somebody comes to me for help and they can't get help. Now, I'm talking about uh, as a representative of the Lord Jesus, they can't get help from me because I'm not in a position uh, because I haven't maintained my spiritual life like I should, and I cannot therefore help them. I never want that to happen. All right. And the responsibility is ours. We're the ones that have to make the decision that we're going to live that way. So anyway, I hope this, this study has helped you. You know, in all these cases that we've looked at, I have loved this. Looking at all 20, you know, or we're 19 cases. It's taken us 20 weeks to cover them. But uh, this has been a huge help to me. I pray that it's been a huge help to you and helped you uh, not only be able, as we've said, receive healing for yourself, but be able to minister healing to other people. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.